I want to remind all of us that the word that the Lord gave to us, our church, in all of our locations for this year was prepare. Everybody say prepare. And there were three ways that I told us that we were going to prepare. The first thing that I said that the Lord was calling us to do in 2021 was to prepare by building a culture of prayer. And culture is built, just so some of you go, how do you know when a culture is built? You know when a culture is built when you don't have to tell people to do behaviors when they just do them naturally. And we this year are focusing on building a culture of prayer. And there's a couple things that I I just want to highlight. We've got a lot of opportunities coming up uh, for building that culture of prayer. One of them is that God has spoken to me that we are going to be doing a a monthly Wednesday night encounter service where we are going to worship and pray. There will be not a lot of preaching. We're just going to get in this room and we're going to see what God does. We're going to lay hands on people to receive healing. We're going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to worship God. We're going to have not a lot of agenda. We're going to go with God's agenda. How many think it's fun to go with God's agenda? And, and so we're going to be doing that on Wednesday nights once a month, and for some of you that meet with your small group on on Wednesday night, you say, well, what about my small group? I'm gonna encourage you to bring your small group and we'll give you a chance to to pray together during that time with our small groups. Here's the the first one that we're going to do is on March the 10th. So get out your calendar and go ahead and put that in your calendar. March the 10th at 7 p.m. We'll be right here on Wednesday night getting ready to just seek God, worship God, and see what he does on that night. I also want to encourage any of you that can make it to our Friday noon prayer time that you would come in and even if it's just for 10 or 15 minutes or maybe the whole hour. This is a time where we seek God. We pray over all of the prayer requests that come in on Sundays and then we seek God for his direction for our church and our elders and our staff and 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 all of the needs that are represented in our community. And I want to encourage you, even if you're, you're on a lunch break and you say, I've got a, a half hour, it'll take me 10 minutes to drive to church, I'll pray for 10 minutes, and it'll take me 10 minutes to drive back uh, to work. Listen, those 10 minutes can be powerful, amen? And so you can join us. For those of you that say, I, I can't make it, I, I can't get away from work or whatever, you can join us online uh, on, during that time. We've been, been having that prayer time online. We'll have many more opportunities coming that I'll be announcing in the next few weeks One of them is 21 days of prayer and fasting, and uh, we are just going to give you every opportunity we can to build that culture of prayer this year. Now, I got to make an announcement to you. Everybody look this way. I'm going to do something I don't know if I've ever done in the history of pastoring. I'm going to repeat the exact same sermon that I preached approximately a year ago. And I'm announcing that to you for a couple reasons. One is, for those of you that are melancholy in the room, and you're, you're, you, when you begin to hear some of this, you'll go, wait, 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 I think I've heard, oh my word, does he know? Did he forget? He's already preached this. And uh, I didn't forget. I know I've preached this. And wait, was it because he, was, he didn't have a lot of energy this week, and so he just kind of yanked something out of the file? And, and nope, that's not the reason at all. I'm preaching this because as we have this series on prayer, you cannot ignore the text that we're, that we're preaching from this morning, 
And I believe that this is a clarion call. I'm here this morning, not just as a pastor, but as a prophet, one who speaks on behalf of God and declares this is the answer to our country. It's the answer to our church. It's a clarion call. I believe with all of my heart, and these are not just words that I'm speaking from a platform this morning. I believe that we are at a crossroads with the American church. I believe with all of my heart that there has never been a time in history as long as I've been alive where the American church has been at more of a crossroads than we are right now. I truly believe that. I think if you look at the upheaval uh, that has happened, the disunity in the church of Jesus Christ, the, all of the opinions and all of the, the, the things that are back and forth from the right and from the left, and everything that you look at is we have been so divided and so focused on the wrong stuff, I believe that America is at a crossroads. And here's what I wanna help you understand. I'm not just worried about God's church for the people that are in this room. I'm very concerned about God's church for the people that are not yet in this room. I'm very concerned that we are losing our influence and that we are going to lose the ability to get people that do not believe in Christ yet and do not attend church yet. If we are not careful, we are going to lose our ability to reach people. I believe with all of my heart that this is a crucial time. Everybody say crucial time. We are living in a, in a crucial time. And I think that God is looking down from heaven and wanting to see if we get this right. Wanting to see if we can be able to reach the next generation. So I have entitled this this morning, When God's People Pray. When God's People Pray. Father, I just pray this morning that you would help me to speak your words. I pray, God, that this, Lord, would resound to the remnant that is here on this holiday Sunday. It would resound like a trumpet, like a clarion call. Lord, those that barely know you and have never prayed would feel encouraged and inspired, Lord, to begin to pray like they never have. Lord, those that are in this room that remember a season of their life where, Lord, there was a movement of prayer and they were a part of that movement. Call them back, Lord, into that movement. I pray, Lord, that the words that are spoken for the next several minutes here in this room, Lord, would have repercussions, Lord, in heaven and on the earth. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Before I dive into, the, into our text today, I want to just give you a a brief history of the United States of America and the church in the United States of America. I want to set something straight as I begin and let you know that there is a false teaching out there that America just needs to return to its roots. It just needs to return back to its original values, that America was, was a Christian nation to begin with. I have to tell you, friends, if you really deep dive into history, you'll discover pretty quickly that that's not really 100% true. You'll discover that many of our founding fathers were actually theists. You'll discover that one of our founding fathers, that uh, if I dropped his name, you would all know it in the room, he actually had a, uh, a ceremony where he ripped pages out of his Bible and he only left in the things that he believed and he ripped out the things that he disagreed with 
out of his Bible. This country was not just based on godly values and principles, and we are not trying to just return the country back to its roots. In fact, one theologian and historian uh, said this about the year 1720 about America. He said, religion became something of a pastime in which people would go through the motions during religious services without deeply felt convictions of the heart and the soul. Let me read that one more time because it reminds me of today. America, what happened was religion became something of a pastime in which people would go through the motions during religious services without deeply felt convictions of the heart and the soul. Instead, here's what happens in the United States of America, and we've seen it over and over again. America will go through a season where many of its people and the church will draw close and draw near to God and will see a movement of God happen and an incredible, uh, incredible things happen in our history. And then just like God's people, the Israelites, we will then go through a season where we drift away from God and we drift away from, from his presence and drawing near to him. And it, and it happens over and over again. We can see it in 1726 with what is called the, the first great awakening. In 1726, God, there was a move of God that happened where the 13 colonies that represented the United States of America and, the, uh, and, and Great Britain had a sweep, man. A move of God swept across those 13 t- colonies and across Great Britain and out of that was actually birthed the Great Revolution. And then you fast forward to 1800. And 1800 was called the Second Great Awakening. And in the second great awakening, the same thing happened. There was a move of God. God's people drew near to him. Our country drew near to God. And out of that was born the abolitionist movement, which was the beginning of a long journey to end slavery. So you see this happening over and over again. And let me define it for you, for those of you that are taking notes. Here's what happens. The church is renewed, and then society is reformed. The church is renewed and then society is reformed. Right now, I think the church of Jesus Christ, in a lot of ways, we've got this backward, don't we? We want to reform our society, but our churches are not being renewed. Hello, somebody. We want to start out there. We want to correct the behaviors of the people out there instead of drawing near to God and saying, God, will you renew us? And then maybe it would spill over into society. God has asked us as his church to draw close, to draw near, to be renewed, and then society can possibly be reformed. Fast forward to about 100 years, and you'll see what happened in 1906 in Los Angeles, California, at an incredible move of God called the Azusa Street Revival. It was a move of God unlike anything America had ever seen. It was the birth of what we know as Pentecost. We are actually products of that move of God that took place. 
and then God's people drifted away. And then you see another move of God in the 60s and 70s where God reached people that society had, had cast out. He used people, and I love when God does this. He used people that the world had thrown away in the hippie movement. It was called the Jesus people movement. How many of you are old enough to remember that move of God that took place? I won't ask you to lift your hands if you were one of those hippies. But here we are. Love to see pictures of some of you. But here we are now. Shattered. Broken. Wondering if God can heal our land. Can racism and prejudice be healed? Can America be healed? Can abortion be stopped? Can the family unit be healed? Can the rampant fear of COVID-19 and so many other things be healed? Well, I'm here today to tell you that the answer is not yes. The answer is if. If my people pray. The year is approximately 900 B.C. A guy named Solomon had spent seven years rebuilding the temple of God that was one of the most incredible historical uh, architectural buildings that ever existed during that time. Historians tell us that that building was approximately 20 stories high. And the rebuilding of the temple had been finished, it had taken them seven years. And a a platform had been built for this special occasion that took place, and Solomon, the king who had been in charge of rebuilding the temple, knelt down on that platform, and he dedicated that temple to the Lord. And God, as, as as he knelt down, and the people bowed down, and they worshiped God, God answered their request, by sending down fire and burning up the sacrifices that they were offering to him. It was literally God's hand, God's stamp of approval, if you will, being put upon that temple. And the celebration began after that took place. In fact, it was a celebration so big that for eight days the people actually made sacrifices, burnt offerings, they they sacrificed 22,000 oxen and over 120,000 sheep. It was the barbecue of all barbecues, baby. I mean, they celebrated. They partied in the streets and they did it for Jesus because they understood that God had put his blessing, his hand of approval had come upon the temple. And after eight days had gone by, everybody cleared the streets. The streets are now empty. And they all went home. If you can imagine for some of you, it's the moment where everything that God did is kind of over. It's the moment where for some of you that have been to a a camp meeting or a revival or a, a camp service or a week of camp or something of that nature and, and it's over and everybody's going home. It's kind of that kind of moment, if you will. And, and Solomon goes home. His house is quiet. He's in his palace. And God says, now I want to talk to you. And this is what God says 
to Solomon. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13. This is what he says. He says, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. In other words, what he's saying is, Solomon, I know that you think it's going to always be like it is right now. I know you think that it's always going to be um, my hand of blessing on, on your people and, and that there will be no problems and that I will be one with the people and they will be one with me. But I'm here to tell you that there's going to come a time where my people drift away from me and my hand of judgment will come upon the land. There's going to come a, a crisis. There's going to come a time in your nation's history where it's not gonna feel like it does right now. There's gonna be a national crisis and I just need you to be aware that it won't always be like it is right now. And then he goes on in verse 14 to say, when that crisis hits, here's what I need you to do in the way that I need you to lead the people, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and what? And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Everybody take your both hands and put them in the air like this, if you will. And just put, put your right hand out and say if. Put your left hand out and say then. Okay, let's do it together. If, then. If, then. Come on, let's do it again. If, then. Let's see how fast you can do it. You ready? Nah. Watch me now. Y'all are in a good choir. Watch me, okay? Huh? Okay, that wasn't in my notes. I was just having fun. If, then. If my people will pray, then I will hear from heaven and will heal their land. Here's the solution, Solomon, when the nation hits a crisis. Here's the solution, Wayne, when the nation hits a crisis. Here's the solution, Saints Community Church, when, when you're in a time of crisis. Here's the solution, Jackie, when you're in a time of crisis. Here's the solution, Linda, when the nation or you, your life is in a time of crisis. Here's the solution, Mike, when you're in a time of crisis. Here's the solution, Ashley, when you're in a time of crisis. Here's the solution, James, when you're in a time of crisis. If you will pray, then I will hear from heaven and will heal the land. If then here's the solution so let's break down in the original language let's break down some of these words if if what does if mean if is the prerequisite word it's the smallest word in the text with the largest repercussions if you will you notice that God doesn't say when my people pray he says if my people pray, and I'm here today to tell you as somebody that's been doing what I've been doing for almost 25 years now and been pastoring almost 10 years now, I'm here today to tell you that it's not when God's people pray, it's if God's people pray. Hello? Because I'm here today to tell you there are long seasons of time where God's people don't always pray. If my people pray, then I will hear from heaven. So it's not when, because God gave us what is called free will. He actually 
doesn't command us like robots to do things. He gives us a free will. This speaks to the free will of man where we get to make the decision, if you will, whether or not we are going to do what God is calling us to do. We don't have to. God won't make us. I'm just here today to tell you that if we don't, there are repercussions. And if we do, there are incredible repercussions. Amen? If my people. Well, who's my people? Who is my people? Well, originally, this is speaking to Israel, which were God's people. This, Israel was God's original people. And now, let's look this way, everybody. Here's what I want to tell you. This is not written for the United States of America. I just, I, I hate to burst some of your bubble. When this text was written, the United States of America did not exist. Oh, my word. I thought the U.S. was God's people. Let me just help you, okay? I love all of you. God's people were Israel, and God's people at this point in history is his church. His church. So he's not commanding if the United States of America wants the blessing of God on it, then they, they need to pray. So this is not a command to get prayer put back in schools, this is not a command to make sure that before the, the Senate and congressional uh, you know, meetings take place that they pray in the Holy Spirit for an hour. This is not that. He's not speaking out there. He's speaking to his people in here. Again, we're not trying to change what's out there. We are trying to create a movement of, of prayer that happens in here that then affects out there. Come on, somebody. My people, if my people, the church, will pray, if my people who are called, everybody say called, called means to be summoned, to be invited, to be cried out for. God is summoning, he's inviting, he's crying out for us, his church, to become people who will turn to him instead of to ourselves. If you can imagine, maybe some of you, and, and, and I'm, I'm in this group, okay, I'm getting older now, but th there's a, a time for some of you that are uh, maybe millennials and under that there was actually a time in history where when you would call somebody, if they were on the other line, you would get a busy signal. So if, if they were busy, if they were already talking to somebody, and, and what, what you would get is a eh, 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 eh. How many of you remember the, the busy signal? Yep, come on, somebody. So it's like, if you can go back to that time, it's sometimes I wonder if God is calling us and he's getting a busy signal. And for some of you, you're like, man, I don't have the courage to tell God I'm busy, uh, but I, I'll just send him, uh, I'll, I'll forward him to voicemail. In other words, God, I, I can't do it right now, but I'll listen to your voicemail later on, and I'll respond when I get a chance. God is summoning us. He is calling us. He is crying out for us. He's saying, Please, my people, if you will pray. He goes on to say, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and, and pray. What does it mean to humble ourselves? In the original language, it means to humble yourself or to be humbled. In other words, you have a choice. Either you do it or God does it. I'm just here today to tell you I've had both happen in my life. The first is a lot easier. Either you humble yourself 
or God is going to humble you. And I'm here today to tell you that all of us, and in, in our mission statement, we are reaching imperfect people to follow a perfect Jesus. And that is a really kind way to say that we are not only imperfect, the Bible actually says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means that every single one of us in this room is a sinner. And I want to tell you, do you know what the original sin is? The original sin didn't actually happen on the earth. It happened in heaven, and it happened with Satan and God, where the original sin is a word called pride. Everybody say pride. Pride. Pride is, I got this, God. Pride is, I can strategize my way out of this situation. Pride is, if we could just get the right person elected, everything would shift in our country. Pride is, Wayne, if you'll do this strategy, this, this, and this, with Saints Community Church, there will be an explosion and a movement of growth that happens in the church. Pride is, I'm gonna take care of me and my own. Pride is thinking that we got situations handled when we know we ain't got no situations handled, hello? Pride is saying, God, we don't need you to move in this situation. Pride is saying, I don't need to fill out a prayer request card because it's no big deal. I can handle this on my own. I don't need prayer over that situation. Pride is saying, God, we need you for salvation. We need you to get us to heaven. We need to make sure that we're right with you. But while we're here on the earth, we got it, Lord. We got it. And God is saying, if you will humble yourself, which means to lay down your pride, and the, the first step is saying, God, here's the first thing we're gonna tell you as we, we pray. The first thing we, we're gonna tell you is, we don't have this under control. We don't have our nation under control. We don't have our church under control. I don't have my life under control. God, this is not ours. We cannot do this. We need your help. The first step to becoming somebody who knows how to pray is understanding that you, you've got to pray because you can't handle it on your own. Amen? If we will humble ourselves and pray, our rituals, our abilities, our organization, our feeble attempts at worship will never get the job done. God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, the word seek is actually, I'm gonna give you an old definition, original language definition here, it's the word bagesh, and it actually means to pursue, to run after, to find what is missing, to pursue, to run after, to, to find what is missing. How many of you have ever had a time in your life where you were in a mall or in a crowded grocery store or something like that and one of your children got away from you? How many of you have ever had that happen? I've had it happen multiple times and it's not just because I'm a bad parent, okay? But you've had times where one of your children got away from you. I'm just gonna believe that most of you didn't handle that like, uh, child, where are you? Uh, if you could come back to me, that would be wonderful. I remember in a hotel room one time, my daughter and, and I, she was 
about four or five, and she was traveling with me. I was speaking somewhere in Missouri, and and uh, and all of a sudden, she decided it was time to play hide-and-seek. We were in a hotel lobby late at night. The only problem with her game of hide-and-seek was that she didn't tell me she was going to play the game. And so she went, and she hid. And I couldn't find Libby. And I'm just here today to tell you, it didn't take me very long to go from here to here when I was looking for my child. I mean, really quickly. I'm shouting at the top of my, mung, my lungs, Libby, where are you? And, and then I looked at the lady, uh, the desk clerk in the hotel. I said, hey, I don't know what you're doing right now. Put it down. You are now re- being recruited to help look for my daughter right now. That is the only job that you have. And we're screaming at the top of our lungs, and Libby came out from behind a chair, and, and I was so excited, and then she got in such big trouble. This is the kind of seek that the text is talking about. It's talking about a pursuit, a hardcore, a running after, a God, I'm, I gotta, well, I, we need you. We gotta get you, God. We're, we're chasing after you. God is not saying that we are called to just, God, you know, if possible, if you could just maybe do something in our church, in our nation, in my life, in our home, that would be wonderful, Lord. God is saying, no, I'm calling my people to seek. Everybody say seek, to pursue, to run after, to go hardcore on, to get somebody's attention, to get God's attention. It's like getting in somebody's face. Let me ask you, when was the last time that you were so desperate for God that you got in his face? Hello? That you said, God, my family needs you. I'm getting in your face. Our church needs you. I'm getting in your face. Our country needs you. I'm, I'm getting in your face. When is the last time that the church got in God's face as much as we try to get on Facebook and post something and get in everybody else's face? Hello? I'm talking about a pursuit a hardcore, a running after God, a getting in his face. One of the pillars of one of the pillars of our small groups is that our small groups will be places of prayer where people will get in God's face and and I'm asking innocently, I, I really don't know, when's the last time that your small group got together and as a group, as a unit, you got in God's face, you got on your knees, you you paced the floor back and forth, you called out to God and said, God, will you move in our small group, will you move in our church, will you do something amazing, God, we are desperate for you, we need you so badly, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and get in my face and turn away from their wicked ways. To turn simply means to turn away and to turn back towards. To turn away and to turn back towards. The word word turn here doesn't just mean to to turn away from, and we're going to get to what we turn away from in a second. It also means to turn back towards. So what are we turning towards? We are turning towards Jesus, Hebrews 12, 2 says that we are fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. So we are turning towards Jesus. We are not turning towards our government for the solution. You're not turning towards me for the solution. We're turning towards Jesus and saying, Jesus, our eyes are on you. You are the perfecter. You are the pioneer. You are the one that we're chasing, God. We're chasing after you. We're turning towards you. 
The Bible says that we are to turn away from our wicked ways. This word wicked in the text actually means to be malignant, if you will, like a cancer. To be malignant like like a cancer. God was declaring your malignant ways are killing you. You are slowly dying with your malignant ways. You're slowly dying, church of apathy. You're slowly dying, church of unrighteousness. You're slowly dying of injustice. You're slowly dying of abortion and offense and racism and, and, and you're slowly dying of unforgiveness and you're slowly dying of hatred and you're slowly dying of bitterness. You're, you're, you're dying, you're, slow, you're dying a slow death. He says, turn away from all of that. Turn away from all of those things. Turn your eyes towards me. We've got to look at Jesus, amen? We've got to look at him. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. To hear, the actual word means Jehovah Shammah. He's the one who hears. Jehovah Shammah means he's the God who hears. How many of you are thankful that we serve a God that when we talk to him, he listens to us? Hello? When we speak, he listens. How many of you are glad that God listens a little bit better than your spouse or your kids do? Hello? He always hears us. We call on his name, and he's Jehovah Shammah. I kind of picture as I read this text, I kind of picture God in heaven with a a coffee cup, if you will, sitting at a table and saying, I'm ready to converse, I'm ready to talk, I'm ready to hang out with you, I'm ready for you to talk to me, I'm I'm waiting for you to to, to actually speak because I've got my ears tuned in, I I wanna hear what you have to say, I'm listening to you and, and us, just, just saying, God, we, I want to pull up the chair. I want to I speak to you. I want to converse with you because here's the incredible thing about the text. It says that God will hear from us and he will heal our land. So it goes from Jehovah Shammah to Jehovah Rapha. So he's not only the God who hears, he's the God who heals. Come on, somebody. Here's the, here's the problem with many of us. We're spending a lot of time trying to talk to people who hear us, but they could never heal us. The people in our lives that we're trying to say, hey, can you help me? I need help. Are you hearing me? They're saying, yeah, I can hear you, but I can't heal you. And I'm here today to tell you, church, that God is not only Jehovah Shammah, the one who hears us, he hears us, and then he has the ability to come down and heal us, to heal our nation, heal our church, heal our families. God hears us, and then he heals us. Come on. He's Jehovah Shammah. He's Jehovah Rapha. I will heal their land. He actually uses the words, I will heal their land. What does their land mean as the band comes forward? Their land means their whole world and everything in their world. I will heal their whole world and everything in their world. 
all of that to say this, church, if you didn't write anything else down, please write this down. Here's my takeaway from today. We won't hear from heaven until heaven hears from earth. We're not going to hear from heaven until heaven hears from us. God didn't say, yes, I'll heal their land in a national time of crisis. He said, if my people will pray, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. When heaven begins to hear from Saints Community Church, look this way. Saints Community Church will begin to hear from heaven. There will be things that happen in this church that some of you can only imagine. God's presence will come upon this church in a way that many of you have never ever felt before. There will be people that will drive by Saints Community Church and will just feel, they don't even understand why, but they will feel a drawing to come into this place. There will be sick bodies that will be healed in this sanctuary. There will be people in your life that you think are the farthest people that could never be reached for Jesus that all of a sudden will be more open than they've ever been before. We won't have to call for volunteers or plead for people to work in our kids' ministry. We will have an overflow of people that want to work in there because they understand God's purpose and calling on their life. There will be moments and seasons where God will do stuff where I won't even be able to get up and preach because God's presence will take over the service. There will be some of you that barely know and understand who the Holy Spirit is that will be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in another language. When heaven begins to hear from Saints Community Church, Saints Community Church will begin to hear from heaven. I have seen moves of God in my life. I have been a part of incredible moves of God. I have seen a youth ministry that started with 25 bratty church kid students that exploded to 800 radical on fire students for Jesus. Why? Because we had overnight prayer meetings where our youth pastor was teaching us to pray all night long. Because we had prayer every Tuesday night. 
the entire time I was growing up in youth ministry and he taught us seek God's face, seek God's face, seek God's face, seek God's face and people begin to get saved and people begin to get healed and the Holy Spirit begin to move. Why? Because when heaven hears from a church, a church begin to hear from heaven. But I have good news for many of you in the room that have seen moves of God like that. We're not trying to copy or mimic what we've seen in the past. God's got new wine to put in new wine skins. Amen? But it doesn't happen until heaven hears from us. James 5.16 says the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. The effective, and I want to just emphasize that word fervent. Everybody say fervent. Now fervency looks different on all of us, doesn't it? Fervency for me most likely is a little different than fervency for many of you. Fervency for me is 110%. Here's what God is saying. The effective, fervent prayer, zealous prayer, intense prayer of a righteous man or woman will be effective. It will, it will avail, meaning there will be a response. There will be something that takes place when the effective, zealous, fervent passionate, intense prayer takes place, there will be effectiveness that happens. There, there will be something that takes place when God sees the effective and fervent prayer of someone. Here's the sad news. The sad news that if, if I was to say next Friday night, we're going to have a forum where we're going to discuss 10 steps to a healthier marriage. I promise you, if we promoted it right, if we brought the right people in to speak, we could pack out this room. Or, let me do even better than that. If I was to say next Friday night, Drew Brees is going to be here to speak. I promise you, with very little promotion, we would have a parking lot problem. Hello? If I was to say next Friday night, we're going to have a time where we're just going to seek God. I would be ecstatic and rejoicing I'd look at the staff and celebrate if we had 25 people show up in the room doesn't that seem like a problem hello doesn't it seem like an issue that Drew Brees can draw a bigger crowd than God can And this isn't about Saints Community Church. This isn't an indictment on us. This is the church. This is all over, at least in North America. 
Some of you are in this room and you remember a time in the history of this church where there was a movement of prayer. And you, you long for that time. Here's what I need you to do. Stop longing for that time and, and, and grab some of us by the hand who weren't here during that time. Grab some of the younger generation and say, hey, here, come walk with me. Watch how I talk with God. Watch how he listens to me. Watch how I obey what he speaks to me. Watch this and learn from me. And now you pray and I'll mentor you and I'll walk with you and I'll teach you how to do this. You, you, what I need you to do is grab the hands of the younger generation and say, hey, here's how you get a hold of the heart of God. Here's how you pray. Now some of you are in the room and you go, First of all, Wayne, I don't even know if I'm really sold out and I'm really a Jesus follower. I, I'm still on the journey. I, I don't know how to pray like that. I have good news for you. First of all, there is no perfect prayer. How many of you are thankful? God's not looking for the perfect prayer. He's not asking us to show up at Saints Community Church and to try to eloquently speak to him. Oh, hallelujah. Thou art thine God. And we thank thee for thy sanctity. Hallelujah. In fact, I think, I think when pastors and leaders start praying like that, I think God kind of goes, what an idiot. The good news is there is no perfect prayer. The second piece of good news is we want to walk with you. We want to teach you how to pray. We want to show you how to hear, how to, how to let heaven hear from us so we can hear from heaven. As I close today, one of the most perfect illustrations of what I'm trying to get across today is that history has changed quite a bit in that it used to be in our country that you would go to a lot of different small stores to be able to get all of your supplies. Maybe you would have the milkman drop off the milk and then you'd go to a, a small store to get your, your hardware. Then you'd go to another small store to get your, your groceries. Then you'd maybe go to another small store if you needed eyeglasses or had to get your eyes checked. And it was a lot of just small little stores that were family owned and that was kind of how it looked across the United States of America. And then a guy named Sam Walton came along. And he said, what if we created a ginormous store and people could get their groceries, they could get hardware, they could buy a fishing rod, they could get their eyes checked and buy some eyeglasses, they could adopt a kid on their way out. He said, what if we just created a store that was a one-stop shop that everybody 
could just go to that one-stop shop and they wouldn't have to go anywhere else. And he opened that store, and most of you know what that store is called. Walmart. Now here's the issue. When I say Walmart, for most of you in the room, those of you that have been to Walmart, you go, ugh. I have a love-hate relationship with Walmart. Why? Because yes, it's a one-stop shop, but man, is it annoying to go there sometimes, right? (laughs) In fact, Walmart figured this out, and so they decided to, to make it easier for us where they created a service where you could order stuff ahead, and then you could pull into the parking lot and not even have to get out of your car. Why? Because they understood. People didn't want to go into the store. You say, what does that have to do with prayer? Here's what it has to do with, my friends. Look this way. The way that we are guilty of building the church of Jesus Christ is to have all of these little things, these little stores, if you will. We're gonna do this right, we're gonna do that right, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, we're gonna do this, and then a little bit of that, and we're gonna strategize this, and, and then we're gonna do this, and then we're gonna have this website, and then we're gonna be on the internet, and, we're gonna, and I'm not discounting any of those things, but here's what I'm trying to tell you today. I'm trying to tell you that what I'm talking about today, when it comes to building a culture of prayer, It's a one-stop shop. It is the way to build God's church, hello? Is to become people that seek his face and that pray. And I promise you, if we just do that right, things are gonna begin to fall in place in this church like we could never imagine. 